Welcome to Inside Flicks. This is a movie discussion podcast created by three brothers. My name is Mike, and like always, I'm here with my two brothers, Richard and Raymond. In this episode, we're going to quickly review the new documentary about Val Kilmer. It's called Val, which is now available on Amazon Prime. And we're also going to review one of his classic performances as Jim Morrison in Oliver Stone's 1991 film, The Doors. But let's start with our take on Val. We watched it. All of us, all three of us are big Val Kilmer fans. Rich, uh, you know, before we get into the review, tell us a little bit about the documentary. This documentary centering on the daily life of actor Val Kilmer featuring never before seen footage spanning 40 years, uh, which is basically the beginning of his career. Yeah, I mean, apparently he has kept a bunch of video diaries. He was one of the first, I guess, people to own his own video camera, I mean, early mm-hmm. on. And Several video cameras. And he recorded himself all throughout the 80s and 90s. And uh, in his childhood as well. Yeah, yeah. that was... Uh, yeah, I was shocked to see that uh, that he has kept all his school plays. <laughs> yeah, he has kept a lot of uh, recordings of of his childhood, yeah, school plays and, and stuff like that. And he, you know, he the documentary goes into his family life, uh, growing up. I forgot where he he grew up. Um, New New Mexico was it? That's where he ended up. I don't know. But um, yeah, so well, and, and so it goes into his relationship with his brother. So tragic story about that. And also, you know, him going to Juilliard very young and becoming one of the youngest actors to attend Juilliard uh, mm-hmm. was this kind of prestigious actor. And then he became this heartthrob during the uh, during the, uh, during the 80s and really kind of hated that kind of label or hated his. I don't know. It seems like he had a difficult time with his fame. I bet the most interesting doc- part about this documentary for myself was when he starts to really break down each film mm-hmm. and what he what was going on in this life during each film and he kind of um we get a lot of insight and um I don't think we've ever quite seen a documentary about someone where where it goes that detailed uh in, into like each specific phase of their career yeah and uh, I I really appreciate that aspect of it yeah, and I, I, this is you know, it was quite, it's quite interesting because he, you know, uh, along along with the footage that he has recorded over the years, he the it, the the film is also narrated by his son Jack Kilmer, and uh, it sounds just like him. <laughs> yeah, there's very similar. There's uh, there's some tones. Well, when he was young, very yeah. young, I. Uh, there was yeah, there were some moments where I go, oh, that sounds exactly like him, and then the other moments where, oh, that's his son. <laughs> but, but it's also written by him. I mean, he writes the dialogue or he writes the narr- narration, and you, it's it's told through his his first person perspective, and um, but it's also very lyrical too. It's the, I would have loved to I would love to know more about um some of these years where he had uh, kind of have a contentious relationship with 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 fame and with the industry i mean we get a little taste we get a little taste yeah uh he 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 goes into why he made certain choices certain decisions like one of the things that i i know we've talked about over the years is why val kilmer never did 
Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. And he <laughs> explain he explains it very I mean, you you understand why mm-hmm. or after watching the documentary. I mean, it's not it's not to reasons we always speculated. Yeah, most most it seems like he was just stuck in a suit and that he didn't he he, he was he felt more oh, like a prop than anything else. Yeah. He got offered and, it. And it makes sense. He got offered it and he took it without even seeing the script. So he I'm pretty sure he just um he 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 just saw uh Batman and Batman Returns and and he goes there's no way I'm passing on this one. This is already a, a done deal. And once he got on the set, he felt claustrophobic, and uh, it's and basically he was a a side I mean, actor yeah. in his own movie. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he, yeah, he felt he he felt uh, it seemed like he was like kind of uh, disappointed that he didn't get the type of role that you know Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee uh, Tommy Lee Jones got to got to do. That's the type of acting he wanted, not you know sitting around and standing around in a suit <laughs> right and and basically just moving his arms he said or whatever just... yeah yeah and, and, and he's not wrong i mean no i could i could totally see that and uh, he also goes into detail a bit more detail with um the island of dr moreau and um and yeah i i, I appreciate it i know what you mean though he could have gone a bit deeper but yeah. i think a big part of that is because you know he's he's talking about his whole life and if he went really deep in certain things the documentary would be like five hours <laughs> i mean i will say this is a there's moments where there's real intimacy we get to look at his private life with his with his with his kids i think that stuff could have been a little shorter <laughs> but <laughs> i mean yeah. there's also you know a, a part of where we see his relationship with his, his father i mean he talks about his father I, I, that i related to and because his father was was this kind of uh, you know not really good with finances finances and he had dreams of becoming this land baron. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I got, yeah, I, that that was all fascinating. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. And and, and it, that's why he owned all that land. <laughs> yeah. I always wondered why is, why is he owned all that land. I didn't <laughs> understood why. And that and now we understand why he sold it. Also, I mean, the, we find out why in this documentary. <laughs> and there was a lot in a lot of information about how the, the way he grew up, and he grew up in a family who kind of uh, nurtured his acting talents or his you know his because his his brother Wesley was also a big filmmaker or young filmmaker, and we learned about the tragedy that happened there, which is you know tremendous tremendously sad and and it seems like wesley could have been a an actor himself or you know or a famous a film, director or fam, yeah a famous film director or something and they could yeah, have been he would, a, um he would recreate scenes from uh, all his favorite movies when he was a little kid and i mean they would show clips of it and it was act it's pretty good yeah. <laughs> he'd he do a pretty good job of uh, recreating these scenes um because he, it's not like he was like creating, recreating a scene from like a drama. He would re- recreate these scenes from like these like big, like uh, big budget films, and do a spot on job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looked like they had fun. I mean, you could see the fun in their eyes and when they're young, yeah. and uh, that was all fascinating to me. And also that you know we also saw. It reminded me of that. It reminded me of that documentary of those uh, those those guys that uh, remade Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I should say that this this image, this footage, I mean, it was kept pretty pristine. I mean, it was there's really good mm-hmm. footage here. You know, a lot of times there was a documentary that came out recently called Kid Ninety, which is the Soleil Moon Fry, and mm-hmm. she's another one who ha- who recorded a lot of stuff from her childhood on videotape, and the footage in that film or that documentary were 
pretty horrible. It just it was it was bad. They didn't. They, she didn't take good care of it. You know, it was like kind of uh, distorted in a lot of it. And but in this movie, the, a lot of the footage is kind of really good. It's he kept it storage well. I'm assuming he's. I mean, yeah. he stored it well. I'm. I'm assuming that's the case. And and so watching these moments of his life, it felt kind of like. Uh, going through someone's you know phone or something like that you know going through someone's uh, photo uh scrapbook or something yeah yeah and you know what's another thing that i really uh, uh appreciated about the documentary is that it also delved into a lot of you know a lot of the things that he's been doing in these the past couple of years of his life mm -hmm. and it, it delved into his convention life it delved into you know his um meeting the fans and how oh yeah yeah how it was something that like he acknowledges was like a real low for him yeah yeah and that um he he felt bad about it but at the same time like it it was also really incredible for him to also see that he always had so many fans until this day he could he still had such a giant audience mm -hmm. but it's something that he really dealt with that uh, that um and it, it's great it's great to hear that stuff and um it, it's also really great how it covered all his um the mark twain stuff yeah because we have heard for so many years that he was working on this mark twain movie and that he did this play to get funding for it and then unfortunately like i seemed around the time that he was getting that he had the funding he got cancer mm -hmm. and you know that kind of all went away but we got to finally see footage of him playing mark twain and it seemed like that could have been like the role of his role of his career man yeah, like yeah. He, or it could have been he, his he, comeback he was, he, yeah he was incredible in the in those in the clips we saw, and I mean, hopefully one day he could he could he could still do it. It seems like he has footage of of these live performances, and they look pretty good. I mean, I, and I was thinking when I was watching the documentary, I go, oh, this could be like a sequel to this documentary. This could have been like a a Mark Twain, uh, the making of or something like that. Uh, but yeah, we get to know you know we he, he, we go through his medical crisis with his throat cancer. We get to learn. Now I think the saddest part of this movie is the ending, where we we see him now, and he is going through the these conventions. He's signing autographs, and you know, he doesn't have these big movies under his belt. I mean, he I mean oh, I the just, iconic ones, Tombstone, man. I mean, well, I mean the, the Doors. Yes, no, I mean, no. There he has good movies, but I'm saying not movies that people would go to conventions for like people love oh, okay. him you know well, batman <laughs> yeah he has batman he has a uh, uh tombstone i mean these are some of the cult favorites but top gun top gun heat willow and, and i think that's the yeah. jay and bob rock reboot <laughs> and i think that's like the tr the big tragedy of this documentary is like all the Let's be honest. I mean, he was very picky with his roles. He turned down a lot of roles that would have made him like a, a, a convention um, icon. You know, let's be honest. I think at this point in his life, the best roles is behind him. His career is now behind him. And now he's looking onto this next stage where it's about his children. It's about his foundation. You know, he has, it seems like he started some kind of art foundation in, in, in his city. And uh, uh, so this movie is about kind of that transition of him going to his next stage of his life where it's less about He's the He's mentoring like the, the, the new generation. Yeah, yeah. So it's less about his old Hollywood lifestyle. It's now about this new kind of life life he's trying to grapple with. And uh, that's fascinating as well. I mean, I do. I, I mean, I think if you have a 
even the smallest interest in Val Kilmer, I think you would really enjoy this movie. But if you don't have a, any interest in Val Kilmer, I don't know if you would like this movie or this documentary. I don't know. Rich, what's your thoughts on, on this on this documentary? Well, when I first started watching this um, and then they picked it up right where, where we see Val um, uncover his um, vault of uh, tapes that he had for throughout the years. And I was like, in, like encouraging seeing all of this footage, you know, from him filming all these uh, iconic films that he did that I believe that, um, but then he goes on to showing footage of top secret and he kind of rags on it, which is kind of bullshit <laughs> because that, 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 that thing's a classic to me and, well, and well, part, I, I didn't enjoy wait. it. And I go, and these, 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 yeah, I remember hearing that Val's always being a, been a prick on the stage <laughs> or whatever. And, and uh, that, that, that to me is kind of being a prick. And, and wait, what but, did he say? I don't remember. Well, watch and it. Trash it. Yeah, he did, uh, and and he was bagging on it because then he, uh, but he he went over to London where he eventually met his uh, future wife, and oh, and then that part. Um, okay, yeah. Oh, he just and said then, that he was kind of he was embarrassed because he he he, he was ma making this. Yeah, um, I mean, I I think it was an he independent. Said he didn't, he, this, he says he he didn't understand the movie. He didn't. He never knew how to explain. Well, it's it, a long what, what the movie was. It's, it's long past that. And Top Secret is one <laughs> okay. of the funniest mo films uh, ever made. Period. Okay. So, and and then to top uh, and to come back with it with a real genius and then and then Top Gun. Wow. I mean, those two films that comedies is what well, cemented, I, cemented to oh, uh, to him to be a star to me. Mm -hmm. And when he got Top Gun. That's when he decided he's a star. And I didn't see, I mean, to get, um, because it took those two films to get that Paramount contract and um, uh, uh, to see him, you know, go with Cher in the, the premiere, mm -hmm. uh, I knew with, right right then and there, he had an ego. <laughs> so are you, so, are, are but, you saying that this doc, you didn't like this documentary? No, I liked it because it's it's informative, and that, this is the this is one informed me because I've been a, li a lifelong uh, Val Kilmer fan. I I love these movies that he's done, and I, I think uh, Thunderheart to me, True Romance, his little Elvis skit. I mean, it was fantastic. Tombstone, my God, Tombstone. Is, yeah, of course. But um, uh, uh Heat. I mean, mm -hmm. these are iconic kiss, films. Kiss, bang, me. bang. Yeah, and yes. what he did with and. <laughs> Um, uh, Wonderland, one of his uh, finest breakthrough roles that he had. Mm -hmm. I thought his performance in that was fantastic, and it to, is a to, fantastic to see, performance to see his, to see his background now, and to see that he didn't get nominated or uh, for even a Golden Globe for any of these films. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is shocking to me. Um, but uh, if, he, if he were to get nominated for any movies, it would have been Heat or The Doors, right? Or maybe Tombstone. Rich, Thunderheart's a very a very underrated uh, Val Kilmer movie, and I, I know you guys must have loved the point when uh, Val Kilmer's signing autographs and a dude shows up with a Thunderheart poster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Thunderheart is one of those movies that I, when it's on, I watch from the beginning to end. Rich, Rich, let me let me ask you this: Do you, do you think his reputation hurt his you know ability to get these nominations? Yes, it's very possible. Yes, and uh, and the Island Doctor Moreau. Um, that explained a lot. It's not to that me. bad. The, the footage, that the footage that they they showed in this in, in this documentary, explained a lot to me, because the 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 whole production in that film, if any if anyone's ever um seen the 
the uh, the documentary of the documentary mm -hmm. Lost Soul, the doomed journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Doctor Moreau. Mm -hmm. You'll it'll, it explains his point of, his point of view of um, Doctor Moreau, but this one explains Val Kilmer's point of view and what he is. Uh, and I never knew that he was going through a divorce at this time, mm -hmm. and then he he felt stuck. Um, it, on this film because you know basically he's working with this idol Marlon Brando and he's of course being Marlon Brando and pushing all the buttons to this these to both directors and and seeing that this production is in production you know it's a hell yeah and and it just explains a lot because he's going through a divorce at this time. Yeah. And John, so, John, John Frankenheimer took over the project and it seems John Frankenheimer was much more interested in getting the shot done as quick as possible than actually working with the actors to, to get a performance or anything like that. Uh, I, I still think, I mean, I, I think some of these, these, some of those parts of the document of this documentary Val, it was him trying to at least tell his side of the story of these type of stories that went out, during the time that kind of ruined his reputation in Hollywood or made made it seem like he was a difficult uh, actor to work with. And I think he was trying to have a little bit of redemption. Maybe a little, maybe it's a little bit re, um, um, revisionist. Maybe he's trying to sugarcoat a lot of this, these things, but um, it, it, certainly it's, it's good to hear his point of view of yeah. these events. I mean, I never knew that. I mean, yeah. he was going through a divorce where the kids were, the young kids were involved and yeah. that, yeah. that's, that's heartbreaking on, in any, on any person. And it's, and it really feel, I mean, I really get a sense that he is a good father in this movie. I mean, all, yeah. uh, his two children love him and we find that his daughter lives right next to him. I mean, <laughs> well, literally, I, I, literally. I that, that was just the, that was just a setup. Oh, yeah, you got fooled. I got fooled. <laughs> okay. Well, it seems like he is a good father. I mean, he has these two kids who, from what I could tell, they love him immensely. It seems like the the footage that we see him recently, it seems like he has, um, what's it called? Uh, reconciled his relationship with his ex-wife, or at least they're on speaking terms. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I I, I do, like, I, I think if you're, you're a big Val Kilmer fan, I think you would definitely would want to check out this documentary. Now, overall, is this a good documentary though? It's decent. Uh, you gotta be a fan of Val Kilmer. And um, this is, this is uh, because it is to, to me, it's, I mean, it's a puff piece. It's a puff <laughs> piece, but um, it's, you, you, it, it got enough. I mean, you even got a, a a quick look back at a, a young Sean Penn, Kevin Bacon, and Jackie Earl Haley, mm -hmm. um, when they were doing a play together, and when they were young. right, and then this, and so, but I wish there was more of that. But once we get to the end, it's kind of becomes more lyrical. It becomes less about some of those insider stories of the making of of certain films, and become more kind of uh, introspective. It became like it becomes like that hurt Johnny Cash video <laughs> where mm -hmm. he looks back at his life, you know, it becomes like that. It becomes more sad. I mean, I think I got really depressed at the end of this documentary because there's a guy is really this Val Kimmer is looking back at his life. And really I thought the ending was pretty uplifting. Cause I, I looked at it at a kind of opposite that he's looking forward because he's like kind of mentoring like this new generation of artists. Yeah, it's, it, we learned that he has stepped away from acting, or maybe he is trying to still act, but he has has gravita gravitated to collage, uh, making collages, art collages, and painting, and stuff like that. 
you know, he's still trying to be creative. And uh, yeah, I found that interest, interesting as well. I recommend the documentary. I, I think it's a it's an interesting insight of a man who never really got a much recognition while he while he was in Hollywood. But now I think as as we get older and we kind of look back at his career, this man was a really fine actor and hopefully he earned some recognition from this new generation of people or fans or st- I don't know if he was ever respected in, in the 80s and 90s I mean at, cer- at a certain degree he he was but because of that bad reputation it hurt his career yeah and I do also recommend it to anyone who's a, a true fan of Val Kilmer but yeah if you're not if you're just familiar with him with the Top Gun and uh, uh, I don't know Tombstone <laughs> uh, Tombstone, or yeah, or Batman, yeah. Uh, I would, I would probably uh, stay away from it and just watch his movies. Just enjoy the movies that he did and he was involved with, because a lot of them are good, and some of them are even great. Okay, and then you could come back to this documentary and watch it, <laughs> enjoy it. So I guess we recommend Val. We all recommend yeah. Val. If you're a fan, yes. Okay. If you're not a fan, you might get bored. Okay. That's uh, that's a good way to put it. All right, so it's now available on Amazon Prime. Uh, go check it out. And so let's begin with our review of The Doors. Everybody in. Ceremony is about to begin. Name, occupation. Uh, Jim. Things are about to explode. You can feel it in the air. Planet is screaming for change, Morrison. We gotta make the myths. Morrison, I'd like to go make a record. Sure, why not? Jim Morrison, the god of rock. <laughs> the network have told us that they have a problem with the lyric, girl, we couldn't get much higher. They asked if you could say, girl, we can't get much better. Girl, we couldn't get much higher. Yeah! I love it when you sing to me. I'm the poet and you're my muse. You hear them out there? It's you they want now. They don't want me, they want my death. All right, let's talk about The Doors, the 1991 film by Oliver Stone. Uh, this is, you know, I guess because we're, you know, we're just talking about Val Kilmer. And uh, let's talk about his performance. And, um, I mean, this is kind of considered one of his better performances of his career. And he plays Jim Morrison. And this, you know, the film, I mean, I think people know this film already. This is about the Doors, the rock band. Oliver Stone's uh, take on on Jim Morrison's life. Yeah. Uh, and Jim Morrison is this big kind of legendary rock star who who was the front man of the doors and he you know he tragically died very young at age 27 in Paris yeah, France that's that age that so many rock stars died at you know back in the day and we should also mention that this year marks the 50 the 50th anniversary of Jim Morrison's death uh when the movie came out in 1991 it was it marked the, the 20 20th anniversary of his death so it's been 30 years since since the uh, since the release of the doors but yeah let's go back to val kilmer i mean his, is this one of his better performances i think it might be the best performance of his career oh wow it's actually 
for for myself um this is one of the, the performances that um like because i saw this movie when i was very young and um it was probably one of the performances that that made me like kind of um uh fall in love with acting in, in a way oh. like fall in love with like the, the commitment that actors have to a role mm-hmm because uh, like it, it was really like seeing his performance in this seeing um like uh malcolm mcdowell and uh, clockwork orange and uh seeing probably like uh <laughs> uh like jim carrey and like man in the moon seemed like those like <laughs> commitment those committed performances like really always like stuck at really left a big impression on me as uh, at, a, at a young age i mm. i certainly would agree that Val Kimmer's performance was a, a kind of um, groundbreaking in the sense that people, other biopics kind of follow the same kind of idea. Uh, you know, Val Kimmer did his own singing in this film. Yeah. And it's that's something that Jamie Foxx did when he did Ray. Um, you know, it, it kind of, he kind of invented the mold of 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 this type of uh, performance for for a biopic, you know, uh, Joaquin Phoenix also did his own singing for Johnny Cash. Um, should should Val Kilmer have won the Oscar for this for this part? Well, what was nominated this year? He didn't even get nominated for that. It was it was shameful. What? Um, sure, the movie um, wasn't that great. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll stick to that. I mean, uh, a very but, divisive film. Yes. Yeah, but neither was the Renee Zellweger's, who she just won recently for. Um, I mean, that movie wasn't the best either. But for the Julie Garland movie, yeah, oh. um, I thought her, uh, she she deserved that um, award of mm-hmm. that year. I mean, but for Val, I mean, uh, he deserved to at least get nominated. But um, who were the nominees? So it would have been the nineteen. It would, this movie came out in nineteen ninety one, so it would have been the nineteen ninety two Oscars. Yeah, yeah. It, Anthony Hopkins won for the Science of the Lamb. So obviously Val Kimmer probably would not have won if it, even if, if he, he was, was nominated. nominated. Who, who else was nominated? Uh, Warren Beatty for Bugsy, Robert De Niro for oh, Ca- cool. Cape Fear, Nick Nolte for The Prince of Tides. And and uh, Robin Williams for the Fisher King, I could see Val Kimmer taking Ooh. taking over uh, Warren Beatty, because I don't think that was the best performance of that year. No, it, it, yeah. that was a pretty good Definitely. performance. That was a, that was a good performance. <laughs> I know it's a good, good performance, but, good... but but I like I like um, Val Kilmer's performance more. But uh, man, of those performances, that's a t- that's a tough for, lineup because yeah. I I think of those performances, my favorite might actually be Robin Williams and the Fisher King. Yeah. I love that performance. <laughs> it was a tough oh. year. It was a tough. We should, we should review that movie sometime. <laughs> that's an underrated movie, in my opinion. Should have at least gotten nominated for a Golden Globe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean Val Kilmer should have gotten nominated for the Oscar. I, I think he gave a, a better performance than, than some some of the actors. But yeah, that's a tough tough lineup. Tough but, lineup. Uh, look, I, I think it's weird because I do like Val Kilmer's performance in this, but I don't know if, if I ever got the sense the real sense of who Jim Morrison was in this film. I mean, and but that's because of all, yeah, that's, Stone. that's because of Oliver Stone. That was his intention. I mean, if the job is to capture the essence of, of Jim Morrison, then yes, absolutely. Val Kilmer got it right. And I, and, and this is no fault of Kilmer because I, I think that Oliver Stone intended to really kind of make this movie about the mythology of John, of, of Jim Morrison. Uh, and try to capture the mystique of Jim Morrison as an iconic rock star who kind of died uh, at a very young age 
and kind of left this kind of legacy that uh, that a lot of people try to decipher and make you know try to tell their own type of um, point of view of his um, of his career. I mean, I mean, it, it, because it's such a short career, a couple of years as the Doors, a lot of people have different views on it, and I think Stone has his own kind of uh, take on it. Uh, so, Rich, so you're saying that you didn't like this movie. Uh, it was too, um, it's too uh, long. It's definitely too long. Too acidy, even for Oliver Stone. Oh, <laughs> psychedelic. Come on, that's, too it, psychedelic. It, 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 that's one of the best aspects of the film because it really. Oh, it had its moments. I, I'll agree oh, with yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, it had its moments, but I mean, right it's off from the out. beginning with the the Indian stuff. The uh, oh, I knew what kind of ride <laughs> I was going for. Oh no, um, that that Indian stuff is important to the movie. <laughs> Have you seen U Turn? Uh, yeah, I have. It's been a while since I've seen it. But yeah. To me, that's that's the 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 type of movie done right. Well, that's I also think, Oliver's done right. Yeah, well, yeah. I think The Doors was the precursor to to Natural Born Killers, and I think yeah, I think Natural Born Killers for me was a much better go, yeah. film. And I, I I think that you know because Oliver Stone, you know, The Doors came out in early 1991, and Oliver Stone also had GFK came out the same year, late, later in the year, which I think obviously GFK kind of overshadowed The Doors, and I think GFK is just it's also a better movie. There's, that's not to say that this movie doesn't have cool ideas. It just made me kind of. Um, I was kind of befuddled by some of the things that Oliver Stone was trying to say. I was just kind of mixed with his 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 view on on Jim Morrison. Yeah, that's really what makes one or one of the main things that makes the movie so divisive, and it's one of the things that makes the movie so divisive for myself as well. Because um, I can get past a lot of things. Like the movie is definitely way too long, but I, I can get past that. But um, the way they handle Jim Morrison in this movie is very, um, it, it's fascinating. It's insulting <laughs> yeah, yeah. to Jim Morrison's <laughs> legacy. But at, hmm. at the same time, like, I, I feel like, um, like Oliver Stone was trying to say something like he was trying to like, um, make some sort sort of statement as Jim Morrison or something. Yeah. Like yeah. almost make a cautionary tale. Uh, of of excess and fame and 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 drugs for for some reason <laughs> and um if that's what he was trying to do i think he accomplished his goal i just don't understand why he tried to do that in a biopic about the doors, about the doors yeah yeah and, i mean famously the door the other the surviving members of the doors didn't like this movie at all understandably yeah i mean it's it is an unflattering portrayal yeah like the the thanksgiving the thanksgiving sequence in this movie is ridiculous like how is <laughs> how did that make the final cut <laughs> yeah it's very strange it's very very kind of uh i don't know campy a lot it's very campy it's a yeah it ends with him stomping on a, on a duck saying the the duck is dead <laughs> you know your, your duck is dead it's like this big uh, fight this fight scene in i uh, think giving well scene. everyone well and him and uh meg, pam was it uh, meg, meg ryan's yeah she plays uh yeah. jim morrison's girlfriend pamela and um, yeah. they're, um they're um like crying <laughs> after, after he's on some on, on the duck right so, yeah it's pretty it's pretty over the top um and there's a lot of things in this movie. It's like, how how did this make the final cut? But 
the concert scenes. The concert scenes oh, are yeah. some of the best concert scenes I think I've ever seen in the film. Maybe just the best concert scenes. Like, and also I think just how this movie kind of really, like I I didn't I didn't grow up in the seventies. But I feel like this movie probably captured it perfectly. Like, every time I see a 70s film, I'm like, yeah, I mean, this, it feels like this movie nailed it. And um, you don't really see that in a lot of biopics, especially biopics that come out today. <laughs> well, it gets the chaos. It gets that kind of controlled chaos. And, uh, and I think that maybe Oliver Stone got a little carried away in that chaos. <laughs> it got mixed. Yeah, he got, he got swept up on it. Uh, it was uh, the cocaine, man. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, cinematographer, the cinematographer here is Robert Richardson, who's a master. He has a master kind of eye. And the way he films the the concert scenes are like, it's like, like, it's something from uh, uh, like a, a painting, like a, but like a painting of, of hell. It's, it feels kind of um, Dante's Which, Inferno in a lot of, in a lot of ways. But you know, like to go back to Stone and 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 what I was trying to say about his unflattering portrayal. I don't think it's necessarily unflattering portrayal of Jim Morrison. I think it's an unflattering portrayal of a rock star. And I think what I think what Stone was trying to say, or at least trying to make a comment on, is how uh, we specifically the Gen Xers, because this came out in 1991, uh, that 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 time they were kind of a. Uh, romanticizing even glorifying that that this type of rock star this this uh, this type of hollywood legend who had you know who ha- who have died way too young and before this movie it was la bamba you know it was hmm. the buddy holly story it was an El- you know elvis had a tv movie famously from uh kurt russell played him and um but before this it was also uh, sid and nancy you mean yes 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 and also in the 90s there was this resurgence of 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 james dean and marilyn monroe and they were kind of kind of we were i you know speaking as a as a gen xer and speaking as someone who who grew up in the 90s and remember this time quite fondly as a as a culture we're, we're kind of we're morbidly infatuated with these tragic deaths of these famous stars mm-hmm. and uh i think oliver stone was trying to push back on that idea and i think he wanted to kind of deconstruct that kind of rock star myth stone himself is only a couple years younger than jim morrison so he is someone from this generation he is from this counterculture hippie generation and i think he was trying to say that no 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 this is not something to be so uh, you were just saying that they weren't all angels. Yeah, he wants. I think he wanted to, to really show like this really dark side of it, and it should. And you know, I think he was trying to say that uh, stop with the whole kind of uh, glorification of this kind of uh, you know rock star. Uh, uh, you know, die young, and you know, what's what's that saying? Uh, uh, live hard and die young, or, and, and or yeah, leave a good looking that, corpse. That, that, or? That's exactly what I get out of the movie. That's why I say it's kind of a, like a cautionary tale. It's just, I, I mean, he could have just made a movie about it, uh, <laughs> about a rock star. And, you know, it didn't have to be like Jim Morrison. And he could have made his point. Yeah. And, and it's almost like he made two movies. <laughs> yeah. And then he just combined them. Yeah, because he's trying to make a point about like all this stuff about like you shouldn't like, uh, like, glamorize it but at the same time he glamorizes it <laughs> and the, and also like i I, th- I do think you're right about what he's saying about uh about jim morrison i 100 percent agree with everything you just said 
but at the same time, the movie ends with this like giant like tribute to like Jim Morrison <laughs> at his uh, at his gravestone, and it's like it's very like it's a very conflicted movie. Yeah, it's, like it's um yeah it's it's interesting. I love it. It seems <laughs> like he it seems like Stone got got lost. Stone got stone. Stone got stone. Yeah, yeah. He seemed like he got lost. He lost his way while making it. It seemed like, uh, yeah. I mean, the first the first thirty minutes of this movie is kind of your typical biopic. Here, he we see him in film school. We see him and then him starting a band. We see we see them in in a studio uh, environment where they. They 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 compose light my fire. Yeah, I kind of like that. That part. Yeah, yeah, it's all cool. And then it it and then it goes very off the rails when he yeah takes they all po- like go, yeah they all take like a peyote, peyote in the yeah. yeah and then it goes like okay this is it now we're on a on a on a a magic carpet ride to you know to hell or something. Well, I like that it, at least when they have that sequence that all the characters are like bonding and it, it, it's really like the first time that they really feel like very connected and close to each other. They're basically going through like a, a bad ass trip together and and they're they're much closer to each other after it. It's just the problem is Jim Morrison never wanted to leave or at least in, in Oliver Stone's interpretation, Jim Morrison never wanted to leave the acid trip or the peyote trip. He yeah. wants to just stay yeah. effed up while the other guys you know, moved on. <laughs> I actually find it kind of fascinating because, you know, throughout his whole film career, Oliver Stone has always kind of been fascinated with kind of exploring the the psyche of this, this, this self-destructive men, men who have been like blindsided by their own excessive ambition. And I think oh, he should make an autobiographical film. He should. I mean, Platoon was very, uh, uh should oh, make a movie about him making the doors. <laughs> well, I mean, Platoon was about his experience in Vietnam. Wall Street was kind of uh, loosely inspired by his father. His father was in, in, in finance. Oh, yeah? um, a lot of the movies he does, even though it's based on other people or based on, 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 on uh, different characters, it does kind of express who he is. I think, he, and in a lot of ways, I think he sees himself very similar to Jim Morrison, or at least he, I think he sees himself on the same kind of uh, wavelength. Way, yeah, definitely. And I think he sees himself as someone who is self-destructive, and I think he sees himself as someone who is, um, you know, very ambitious and very uh, has this hubris about himself. You know, I think that's, uh, and that's very common uh, in his movies, Oliver Stone's movies. And Gordon Gecko can only be made by uh, Oliver Stone. You know, that's what makes it fascinating. It's really that's what Oliver Stone is trying to explore. Explore the kind of, um, you know, the man and his ego. It's still a much more interesting movie than like pretty much any biopic film that we've gotten over the past couple years like <laughs> I, I i mean it first come to mind is like bohemian rhapsody and like the dirt and it's like this is so much better so much more interesting like i like the, the two the two movies i just mentioned are pretty much unwatchable <laughs> uh yeah this is it's this is definitely our uh oliver stone taking some artistic license and really making a movie about kind of uh the the fall of of fame or or the dark side of fame rich what were some of the things that you hate about this movie i'm not a fan of jim morrison i'm not a fan of the doors i'm not a fan of the music i'm not a fan i'm definitely not a fan of the poet to poetry <laughs> in general um and uh i like oliver stone's films but this is not one of them this isn't this uh 
I agree. Um, the concerts, uh, the footage that that they shot for the concerts was probably a great highlight. And some of the performances were truly brilliant, but they were performances, just, you know, bizarre performances. It was, it was like just, what, it's just too... Which one? Like uh, um, uh, Kathleen um, Qu Quinlan's character? Exactly. She plays some kind of witch. Well, she, know, she's play, she, Kathleen Quinlan plays Patricia Canelli. Canelli, <laughs> she's a rock critic, rock journalist, but she's also mm. a pagan witch. Da dabbles in the occult, <laughs> and you can say. And she's a she's a real person. Uh, she and she was uh, she had a, a love affair with Jim Morrison, and well, uh, who didn't? <laughs> I should also add that uh, sadly she passed away last month, and. Uh, uh, but but yeah, I mean, yeah, that I thought that would. But still, even that that character is such a kind of a, a wild, you know, maybe borderline cartoonish. It does bring something very strange to this movie that I couldn't put my finger on. That and, and it's not to say that I didn't like it. It's just like it was a very weird relationship, and it's I. It made me kind of really question what Oliver Stone was trying to do. And I think, I mean, there was one particular scene where they're both naked and they're running around a, a big ass room. And I go, what it's is a this? a memorable scene. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's the thing. It's a memorable scene, but I, but it's memorable because I just couldn't figure out what was going on. You would never get that type of scene in a studio film these days. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Meg Ryan. I mean, Meg Ryan was the, probably the second bill billing. Uh, on this film uh, rich what was your thoughts on meg ryan not much because mm -hmm. it's the uh the only thing i remembered is watching it going didn't they were in top gun together did they have any scenes together <laughs> i i don't i don't like her in the movie yeah i think she's miscast i don't know if she's miscast i just don't like what they're doing with it i, I think she's kind of annoying I guess it's not a terrible performance, but I, I don't I I don't like what they're doing at all. It, it kind of, it just doesn't work for me. It seemed like it's kind of underwritten the character. She has a couple scenes with with Jim Morrison. She's kind of comes off as a groupie in the beginning, and then she really comes off uh, kind She's of. She's fine in the beginning. I, in, in the beginning, I was okay with it, but as it progressed, um, I had more issues with it. I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, maybe she was miscast, but I, I, I kind of understand that she was a big name at the time, so it, it kind of makes sense that she would would be cast in this film. Yeah, at least they had Billy Idol. Yeah, it's, uh, so let's let's just just wrap it up there. I mean, I think this movie it's a, it's there's some very fascinating parts of this movie. I think ultimately for me, it it's it's doesn't kind of have a through line that I could really sink my teeth in and and, and uh, at times yeah, i was very I confused but at times i was exhilarated you know with those concert uh, footage or those concert scenes and the, it like i said if you could feel the the chaos in it and at one point you know val kimmer th jumps into the crowd and he's running around and and, and that's that whole sequence makes me feel like this sequence was in the whole movie yeah, it makes me it makes me feel like this was some kind of scene from uh, Caligula or something, you know, <laughs> something like kind of like 
some old classic 70s orgies film you know from uh the you know like like x-rated film but i i don't know it was it's it's such a weird movie that i i understand that uh, why it has become so divisive right? some people just don't like this movie but then some people just love it and but i i would say that the 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 main reason why this is i think this film has been overshadowed is because jfk came out the same year and jfk is just i think it's just a much more kind of more groundbreaking film. I mean, not to well, say I that. I think with JFK, um, Oliver Stone, while he does take some like liberties and stuff, mm-hmm. I think he was, he was trying to make, you know, like a, 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 a great film. Like he was trying to make a, pre- a prestigious movie that people would talk about for, for centuries to come. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he was trying to do that with this movie. And it, it just ended up kind of achieving that success because it's such a weird movie. <laughs> and, um, and you know what? You got to say, you got you to you gotta give credit to Oliver Stone. I mean, people still talk about this movie a lot. Like, I mean, people still talk about, you know, a, a lot of his films like um, na- uh, na- Natural Born Killers and um, uh, w- Wall Street and JFK. Mm-hmm. But I think people still talk about um, the doors, like surprisingly, probably like more than like Platoon, mm. or um, you know, or, or like Born on the Fourth of July, or a lot of his other like classic films. Mm-hmm. I mean, this movie it has kind of stood the test of time, even though it's divisive. Yeah, Rich, what's your thoughts on Oliver Stone? Uh, he's a master uh, filmmaker, but this is just one that got away from him or or this is just this is just one that uh um drove him mad or something <laughs> yeah i mean it's I, I, I wanted to know your thoughts on oliver stone because i think his reputation nowadays have been kind of controversial he's like it's been very very outspoken he's been outspoken critic of 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 the government and then also you know jfk is kind of known as this kind of conspiracy thriller i think people get the wrong impression of oliver stone now nowadays and i think they think he's kind of some conspiracy nut but if you kind of listen to his interviews you know he is a guy who you know came from that that um decade the 60s decade and where everyone was kind of anti-government there was a lot of like there was a lot of corruption in the government at the time like the watergate scandal like happened like pretty much like right when he was becoming a filmmaker mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. I, I know that must have had a huge effect on him yes i think that informed his 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 way he kind of makes movies uh, uh um but let's you know let's end uh, this episode with Val Kilmer. Uh, what's your fa- final words of, on on Val Kilmer's performance in here? It is one of his finest uh, performances, but it's this movie is so flawed to me that it, it hurts it, mm-hmm. and uh, I much prefer him in in, in Tombstone and Thunderheart and uh, even Wonderland. Uh, Raymond, what's your final words on Val Kilmer's performance in The Doors? It's phenomenal. Uh, there's so many uh, fascinating things about the movie. Uh, but what, you know, the main reasons to watch it are for Val Kilmer's performance and for Oliver Stone's approach and direction, even though it's divisive. 
Yeah, I think uh, Val Kilmer's the, the the fact that he sings in the film, he uh, he you know performs. He sees he's in front of a whole crowd, uh, and he commands the crowd with his his, his performance. I think that's a, kind of one of the best things about the film. I, also, it's you know it kind of reminds me of, of of just a tragic story of his life because now that he has gone through throat cancer, I, I really thought that uh, this you know next stage in his career could have been like something big it could have been like he could have been that mature character actor but uh, unfortunately we're never gonna get it although that's just a sad thing uh the bright side is that Val Kimmer has left a like a whole uh, number of movies that he has given really great performances and I'll, I'll put the doors in, uh, as one of his greats and um I'll, I'll say that all right, so that was uh, the the doors. Our, t- our our discussion on the doors. It's available now on HBO Max. That's where we saw it, and it's also available on Blu-ray and you know, um, is it four K Blu-ray? Four K. Mm-hmm. It's available on four K Blu-ray, and uh, so we, you know, if you want. You want a movie you, you that that that, that uh, kind of uh, challenge your uh, sensibilities. Uh, I think the door is a door is, a, is certainly a movie that will do that. All right, uh, I guess that's it for this episode. Rich, uh, if people want to hear our past episodes, so where can they go? Uh, they can go to uh, insideflix.com. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to Inside Flicks. We'll be back with a new episode very soon. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Take care.